rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. So the time is now uh, 8, 10 a.m. You're listening to Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Uh, We did live news today. So as you guys know, starting, uh, well, we started already, but Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, you can catch the show and morning news live on our Facebook page. Uh, We go live. We have a guest in the morning sometimes. This morning we had friend of the show Sam Hall, author of 24 Rungs, a ASMR journey to recovery. Great stuff, great conversation. You can check that video out, which is on our Facebook page. Again, Facebook Live, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, You can like and follow the page on Facebook to make sure you get the notification. So we're just gonna do some quick updates here real quick. Shout out to our friend Yvonne of the Cottonseed. All right, word up. Um, Quick updates. The Community Market Indivisible Aurora Presents 2021 Community Market. It'll be a virtual auction. Vendors are needed. Facebook.com slash communitymarket.ia. Shop unique handcrafted items like artwork, jewelry, clothing, candles, and much more. That's February 20th from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Shouts out, <coughs> excuse me, shouts out to our friends of Indivisible Aurora. Okay. Um, mutual Ground. Register for Mutual Ground 60-hour domestic and sexual violence certification. We're going to post this today, February 2nd through March 11th. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, register online at mutualground.org. And the prices are on this graphic as well that we will share. Starting tomorrow is the Art and Market Aurora Great Gathering of Vendors and Artisans happening every second and fourth Saturday at Society 57 located at 100 South River Street. Safe and socially distanced fun shopping. Make sure you save your Saturdays. Come on out and take part. Uh, Shout out to all the vendors involved in that. For more information, you can visit auroradowntown.org. The Aurora Public Library said a lot of great stuff. And the next initiative that the library will be having is going to be on in February. Uh, So Friday, February 12th, 10 a.m. Tai Chi for the Chinese New Year. The ancient practice of Tai Chi will be a program available to adults. Registration is required. Tuesday the 16th at 7 p.m. Growing your business with LGBTQ friendly practices. That'll be um, 7 p.m. Told you about that. Duh. Uh, Registration is required. Registration is required for Tai Chi for the Chinese New Year. And Thursday, March 18th at 7 p.m., Civic Education Township Government. uh, Continuing partnership with the League of Women Voters of the Aurora area. Registration is required for that as well. You guys will know that on this morning's news, we, um, we announced the call for artists for the Aurora Streetscape Committee in Aurora Downtown. Uh, so that is out there. If you are an Aurora artist, uh, reach out to the Streetscape Committee to find out about the newest mural that's coming. The theme of the mural will be Aurora Unity and will promote pride in the community and advance the objectives of the Aurora Downtown Organization. So we appreciate you guys very much for tuning in. Thanks very much for checking out what we got going on. And um, you guys will see the next video.
that we got um, coming up here very soon. So, shouts out to everybody involved. Um, and want to say shouts out. Check out ASM, excuse me, 24 Rungs and ASMR Journey to Recovery. Um, that is available now as an audiobook. It's also on Amazon and Spotify. The, sun, the sun's coming out today. You guys have a safe, blessed, powerful weekend. We'll see you back here Monday morning. Tune in Monday on Facebook Live. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. And with that, that's the news. <laughs> okay. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, good to see you. Thanks for sitting down with us today. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. Um, so for our listeners and for our viewers, let us know who you are, sir, and where you're from. Uh, my name is Raymond Hull. I am a 45-year native of Aurora. Uh, Aurora is my home. I uh, came to Aurora at the age of 15. My family moved here from Chicago. And I've been here uh, since then, obviously. I have spent the last uh, 40 years on the east side of Aurora. Okay. And uh, I am a, I, originally when I came to town, I lived on the west side of Aurora. I lived at 833 North Randall Road. Okay. I went to West Aurora High School. I'm a graduate of the class of 1978 from West Aurora High School. Shout outs. Shout outs. <laughs> and then uh, at some point we moved to the east side of Aurora. Okay. And since then, I've been back to West Aurora uh, one time, um, and during that period, I was there for maybe a year, and then I relocated back to the east side of Aurora, and I've been there ever since. Okay. I've had the opportunity to live in, I believe I counted five different wards in town. Wow. Um, Randall Road address would be the fifth ward, currently the fifth ward. I also lived in what is now the fourth ward, which would be... Concord Avenue, which is southeast side of town, okay. uh, right near Bartwell School. Right. That would be fourth. It may have been the third ward at the time that I was living there. Okay. I spent nine years in the seventh ward. Wow. And uh, and I've spent the last twenty years in Ward One. All right, but you haven't been to the second ward. I have not been to the second <laughs> ward. That's the ward I live in. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have not been to the second ward. Only that one. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I, okay. I forgot. I lived in the third ward in two different locations. <laughs> so maybe we can take that and, and make that yes. a second, okay? Um, so that's a Auroran, or excuse me, the roots of an Auroran, yes. um, both sides of town. I mean, a lot of people who've been primarily on um, one side of town, so it's good to see that you've got two different flavors. Now, with that being said, would you say that the west side and the east side have their own kind of distinct flavor? Well, we have to put that in a historical perspective. Uh, and so the years that uh, when I first got here mm -hmm. and we lived on the west side of town, obviously the demographics were different, right. the racial demographics were different, and so was the racial demographics on the east side of Aurora at that time. Right. And so uh, do we have, did, did they have their own flavor? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've always noticed is that some of the individuals on the, the east side of Aurora seem to have a complex as to um, not being recognized uh, in the city. I think as a teenager, it was seen as uh, West Aurora had, uh, 
economically we're in better conditions. Mm -hmm. And this is just my perspective. We're talking about from a young man's perspective at that time. I've heard that a lot on this show. Yes, and East Aurora at that time was certainly had more diversity, racial diversity, right. than West Aurora did. And so, did they have their own flavor? Absolutely. Right. And when I came to town, the first thing that I learned was that the river divided the town. And so there was this east-west competition uh, thing that was going on. And, uh, <laughs> And I never actually got into that. And I did not uh, simply because, as I said, I have so many friends. Uh, my base, originally, being West Aurora, um, you will see that there are many individuals that know me right. on the west side of town. And many individuals that see me think that I went to East High and think that I was originally <laughs> from the east side because I've been there so long. Right. And I've made so many relationships on both sides of town. Right. And so, do they have their own flavor? Of course they do. But times have changed, and, uh, and then, to add to the mix, we have the Fox Valley region, sure. wards 8, 9, and 10, which have come along in the last 40 years or so. We've seen the growth in that area of town as well. So Now, those were the areas that were cornfield? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, my time in Aurora, because of my job, which was 36 years with the city of Aurora, I had a bird's eye view and had an opportunity to see the growth, the exponential growth in wards eight, nine, and 10. And what was really unique about that was the water department, the water maintenance department that I was a part of, um, during construction, one of the first things that goes into the ground are the water pipes and the sewer pipes. And Aurora is uniquely um, set aside, if, if that's a good, good term, but Aurora is the only community that actually makes their own water taps. So each, each resident, residential building, commercial building, have water taps that come into them. And so in other cities, the village or the city will allow contractors to put the water lines in and make the water taps. But in Aurora, we did our own. So I literally helped make many of the water taps for the homes that are in the Fox Valley region. When I started in 1979 with the city of Aurora, very cool. we were working Saturdays because the area, uh, the Fox Valley region of town was growing so fast due to Fox Valley Mall. Right. And so we were literally making water taps on Saturday because we were trying, they were trying to get the buildings up as fast as they could go. <laughs> Very cool. And so I've seen uh, everything from uh, the White Eagles and the uh -huh. Stone Bridge area from one end of town to the other and everything in between. Um, so I had a bird's eye view of that area and I think that I'm uh, once again uniquely uh, have a perspective of that side of town, although I've never lived there. Right. Uh, to have some historical perspective. And yes, there were cornfields. There were <laughs> cornfields everywhere. Yeah. I recall when the east side of Route 59, which is Naperville, right. uh, before Fox Valley Mall and after Fox Valley Mall, I believe I could go all the way into the 90s or mid-80s when there were still cornfields on the east side of Route 59. Holy cow. And as I watch and I hear people talk about 
uh, Naperville and, and how great of a, a community it is. And it, it is a good community. But I always say to them that what you see of Naperville at this point, from my point of view, is basically like a 40-year-old town. Gotcha. Aurora, Illinois is the anchor of the western suburbs. We are the anchor and always have been. People came to Aurora for work, uh, primarily for work. It was right. a huge manufacturing town. Right. And so, uh, no offense to Naperville, but I like to refer them, to them as downtown Disney because they <laughs> made the <Disney>. city. <laughs> and it was built around Fox Valley Mall. Right. And here's a perspective. Fox Valley Mall, one of the major reasons that Fox Valley Mall wound up in Aurora is because Aurora was able to bring water to that area. Naperville was not. Really? Yes. And so when I say that Aurora is the anchor, there would not be a Route 59 corridor if it had not been for the city of Aurora and the Fox Valley Mall. Because um, everything began to explode around that mall. Right. Yes. Um, as it would in a high traffic area with north to south corridor. Yeah, go all the way to Joliet in one way or another. Absolutely. Um, growing up, what impact did your mom have in your life? What impacted? Wow, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> we got like 50 more minutes. Well, okay, okay, okay. Uh, my mother, uh, from, from the time that I can remember, first of all, just being a loving parent, a caring and a nurturing person, uh, taught me as a young man. I'm, I'm an old school guy. I was raised with the yes ma'am, yes sir, right. you didn't say what, All that you, yeah. nothing of the sort came out of my mouth. Um, I was two things that she always made me do. Sunday was going to be church, right. um, and when I went to school, you were going to go to school and you were going to behave in a way that was reflective of my upbringing, right. and so that was very clear. Uh, my mother was not an educated person. Um, but she had the spirit of God in her, and she implanted that in me, and, and I think it uh, was reflective in the way that I did things. And so uh, my mother, we, our family, we never had a car, even when we moved to Aurora. So that was really different for me because we used public transportation in Chicago. And so when we came to Aurora, not having a car, there was a lot of adjustments that were made. But I watched my mother ride uh, public transportation in Chicago. She worked in Winnetka and she would get up at six in the morning and sometimes she wouldn't get home till six in the evening. And she would ride the CTA up to Evanston and transfer mm -hmm. and go north and then she would come back home. Once we moved to Aurora, she began to work at the Elgin State Mental Hospital. She would ride the pace bus from Aurora to Elgin State Hospital. And so I watched her, um, what I picked up really most from her was her work ethic as well. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that we came to Aurora was because my brother came here after college. Okay. And he was hired to work at Carson Peary Scott, which at that time was in the Amy Morton building, the Morton at Stope and Galena. Stope and Galena. That used to be Carson Peary Scott. 
And, uh, and so the reason that we came to Aurora was one day when my mother was going to work in Winneka, she was hit by a car. Broke her hip, she was out of work, and my brother had, uh, my niece and nephew were, were kids, and my brother said, Mom, if you and Raymond would move to Aurora, we'll pay your rent, and you, if you would babysit uh, the niece and nephew. And so we came here. My mother actually asked me, she said, Raymond, would you like to move to Aurora? And I had come to Aurora a few times just visiting him, and I got to go to places like Funway and, and different, you know, it was like a fun weekend when I would come to Aurora. A little trippy trip, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. And so I realized that when we were living in the city, how much we did not have. The things that were not available to us. Uh, many of the people that I knew um, never left the neighborhood many times. What neighborhood is this? I lived at uh, 49th and Michigan uh, in Chicago. And, uh, and so just the exposure of coming to Aurora. So by the time I was 15 and she says, what do you think? This is the offer that your brother had made. Are you, what do you think? If you want to stay here, we'll stay here. If you want to go to Aurora, we'll go to Aurora. And at that time, I made, I made the decision. I said, let's do it. Let's try it. Right. And she said, okay. And so... Here we are. And um, one of the things that I've learned is that exposure um, will expand the mind and allow you to see some things that you've never seen before. Um, and so that's how I live my life and that's how, uh, still to this day, when I encounter young people, I'm always trying to find out what can I expose them to that they have not been exposed to before. Uh, I spent the early years of my life in Harvey, Illinois, and now I look back and I think about like that, you know, the mentality and you know uh, the youth of the 49th and Michigan area from that year. Wow, what does it say that just 30 miles from where you are seems like, you know, a trip, a exactly. a vacation, a, a a getaway, a vacation, right? Yes. What does it, I guess this isn't, a, this isn't necessarily a point of discussion, I just, you know, maybe a point of reflection. What does it say, right? I think about the state of African Americans. I was telling a friend of mine about a great book um, that details the migration of African Americans prior to the First World War and the Second World War because of manufacturing jobs Absolutely. that were available in Detroit, Chicago, northern cities so African-Americans came in those large waves. And it's like, man, right? A whole life awaits and is changed by just a 30-minute drive. Absolutely. Um, One of the things, if I could share with you, is kind of kind of humorous. <laughs> One of the cities that I had heard about when I was in Chicago was St. Charles. <laughs> And the only thing that I knew about St. Charles, Illinois, was the that there home. was a youth home there. <laughs> and uh, there was a kid in the neighborhood that was a, like a neighborhood uh, legend, minister, society, right, right. whatever. And he would disappear and they would say that he was in St. Charles. Like, oh. Right. And so when I, would hear, when I heard the name St. Charles, I said, I don't know where St. Charles is at. But if Durkee is there, right. I don't want to be anywhere near there. So. I knew, yeah. yeah, I knew that 
What does that say? I knew that too. At 13 years old. A place I didn't know until I grew up and, you know, got to go through St. Charles and everything like that. Right? Yeah. I just knew that the youth homes in St. Charles. Amazing. I mean, what does it say when young people that age even have to contemplate a Department of Corrections right, center? Right, right. Uh, my, my, my children didn't grow up thinking about St. Charles as being where the youth home was located at. Yeah, my son is eight. He's not going to grow up thinking about it. <laughs> it's a good feeling. Absolutely. It's, it's a, a great feeling. feeling. It's a great feeling. Um, so now you are, you're in high school. In West Aurora, um, you are one of the Blackhawks at this time, one of West Aurora High School. What's life like for Raven Hall at this time? Life is good. Life is good because of the relationships that I was able to create. See, living on the south side of Chicago, um, as you know about Chicago, uh, ethnically, the city is divided. And so I went to school with all black students for nine years. Right. And so when I came to Aurora, it was the first time that I'd ever been in school with a, with a Caucasian student. I had never actually seen a Hispanic person other than some caricature on television. Speedy Gonzalez or something like that. Yes, yeah. yes, and something uh, of that sort. And so when I came to Aurora, it was like, wow, this is a whole new world. But at the age of 15, I recognized that there were some, some opportunities here. Because as I mentioned earlier, my brother was uh, an employee at Carson Peary Scott, and he was able to get me my first job. And so at the age of 16, I worked in the shipping and receiving department at Carson Peary Scott. Oh, snap. Yes. <laughs> We're so coming up. It's amazing. When you have an opportunity to earn some money from a legal perspective, and one of the things that I believe is that many times, especially for individuals that grow up in poverty, the way that you are first introduced to a way to earn a living or make money is impactful upon you. Absolutely. So, a, paycheck, a paycheck is the greatest crime stopper absolutely. that ever existed. Because poverty is Never crime is driven by poverty. There's no absolutely no doubt about that, and so um, that is one of the other things that I try to over the years is to gather in youth, mentor them. If I had an opportunity um, for some employment for them, I made that you know a, a conscious effort to do just what I'm thinking about. You know, I thought about myself. I didn't realize we were poor until we came to Aurora. Right. I really didn't. Right. And then I figured out, hey, somebody's been lying to me. <laughs> that there's just tremendous opportunity. And so that's why I'm here. And I love Aurora. There's no doubt about it. I'm, I'm unapologetic about it. And, uh, and there's some things that are going on, which we can get into a little bit later. Sure. sure. That, uh, that, um, I wish we could change. Right. When most people think about um, their past, 
or not their past necessarily, but their upbringing and what they're doing now. Uh, what of the learning phases of your life, working and all that, what of that do you carry with you still to this day? I'm sorry, could you repeat that again? For me? Yeah, what, what of the past, you know, work ethic and your past story and your past uh, experiences, what of that do you retain with you today? I retain all of it. I, I, I really do. Um, I'm still um, a man of faith. That is a central part of who I am. I am, because of my mother's work ethic, I'm mm -hmm. a grinder. I'm hands-on, boots-on-the-ground type right. of guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my experience in working at the water department, maintenance department, uh, put me in the bottom of a, a ditch in mud and sometimes figuratively. Increase, figuratively. Right. Literally. Right. No, literally. Yeah, both. <laughs> both. Um, and so uh, be it getting dirty, getting my hands dirty, doesn't matter. I'm a grinder. I do what I have to do. So graduated high school in 1978? Yes. Uh, first job was at Carson Perry Scott. What year did you join the water department? I joined the water department in 1979. Okay. And how that came about was there was a young lady by the name of Debbie Hopkins. She was a dean's assistant at West Aurora High School. And, and shortly after high school, I was walking actually through downtown. And I ran into Debbie at the corner of Lincoln and Galena. And she said, right hey. The street, right there. Yes, right the around the corner. The rocket hit. <laughs> yeah. I ran into Debbie and she was like, hey, Ray, how are things going? What are you doing? And I said to her, I'm looking for a job. Uh, I'm currently looking for a job. And she said, well, my dad's a supervisor at the city of Aurora. His name is Marion Hopkins. And uh, you should go and put in an application and maybe you could put his name in. And I didn't think much about it at that time. I knew nothing about city employment. And so some months later, uh, the city of Aurora used to advertise in the Beacon News on Sundays. And so one Sunday, I'm going through the Warner ads and Ooh, classifies, love. and I see an ad that was about a one-by-one one ad that said, City of Aurora, Water and Sewer Department, taking applications. Something, I may be paraphrasing sure. exactly what it said. And Debbie came to mind, and I said, wow. So it had the date that they were going to be given a civil service exam. I went down, applied for the job, and they told me when the civil service exam would be. I came in, I took the test, I passed the exam, and they established an eligibility list. And uh, within six months, I was hired. Right. And so I think I took the exam in February of 1979. And in August of 79, I was called and offered a, at that time, I believe they called it seasonal position, not temporary. Sure. So the definition of seasonal now in the city of Aurora would be 120 days. Right. And so they said, well, we have a position because there's some vacancies in the department. We have some people that are on leave of absence. And if you're interested, you know, um, we'd love to have you to come and, and fill that position for 120 days. Uh -huh. I accept it. I'm 19 years old. I need a job. Yeah. I accept it. I come in. And the amazing thing that happened, one of the gentlemen that was on a leave of absence, when he returned, 
I was supposed to, my last day was supposed to be December 17th of 1979. And he came back from a, a leave of absence in Europe and he decided that he no longer wanted to work for the city of Aurora, <laughs> that he wanted to do something different. Right. And uh, he resigned. And uh, at that time, the rule said that if you're occupying a position uh, temporarily or seasonally, and that position happens to come available full time, and no one from the union applied for that position, the position became yours. And so when this gentleman resigned, I stepped right into the position. Just like that. 36 years and two, two months later, I retired. There it is. Congratulations. Thank you. There it is. Um, working for government, working within government, what did you learn about teamwork? Teamwork. Well, what I learned, uh, let's go back to 1982 at the age. The year I was born. Crazy. <laughs> uh, okay, make, <laughs> me feel, from there. make me feel like My bad, my bad. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> so, so uh, first of all, what did I learn about teamwork? In the water department, we worked in crews. There were three man crews. And so I was a laborer. There was a, a person that was called a maintenance worker, too. Mm -hmm that would primarily could operate some heavy equipment, drove a dump truck, I drove the pickup truck, and then there was the right. class three operator that was the machine operator. So right from the beginning, we worked as teams to accomplish jobs. And what our job was, was to maintain the existing infrastructure, and we did a little bit of new construction in, in certain areas. Well, in 1982, um, we had there had been a strike, I believe, in 1979, and in 81, I believe, we had uh, a contract that had come up. And I wasn't very happy about some of the things going on with the contract, and I went to the meeting, and I was kind of barking from the back of the room. As about, a union member? As a union member. What union is this? This is Ask Me, uh, American yes. Federal, yes, American Federation of State, Municipal, and County Employees. Gotcha. And so someone said to me, one of the gentlemen that was on the union board said, well, if you don't like the way things are going, then maybe you should run for office. And I took that challenge. Yeah, and so at the age of 22, I ran for president of the union. And I was elected president of the union at the age of 22. Teamwork. We built a team. Um, we began to... Um, in negotiations, I learned that everything w was about teamwork. I was nowhere near the smartest person in the room, but I knew who it was, and that person was on our team. Right. And so um, we developed a relationship. Um, there's a difference in a public works union and a labor union. The biggest difference is they have what is called a no strike clause. Right. And so during negotiations. In public works unions. In public works unions, right. yes. We have, uh, most government employees are not legally able to strike. Right. And so we always had to, no matter what the situation may have been in the collective bargaining, uh, we knew that we had to continue to work. Sure. And so that's a huge difference because mm -hmm. we serve the citizens of Aurora and you don't get to say, I'm staying home. Right. And I'm not coming to work. 
And so we built that team up and uh, from that point I began to build relationships. And years later, I, I went to some union training and I found something out. And, and during that training, they said, you're not elected to be president because you're the most popular person. And I was like, really? I thought I was kind of popular, you know? <laughs> a little bit, just like a I'm, little bit. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> like, what? They said, so what's the reason? They said, because people are elected to leadership positions within the union because they look at you as someone that will stand up and fight for them right. in situations that they may not have the courage nor the desire or the desire to do that. And so I was okay with that. Okay, you see something in me as far as leadership goes that says that Ray will do the right thing, Ray will stand up for, for us, Ray will enforce our collective bargaining agreement. And so uh, from that point on, you know, I just continued to do what I was doing. I represented every member of that local and uh, anyone that knows me. As a matter of fact, um, at some point, I became a frontline supervisor in 1992. So I believe I was a union member in 1993. I believe I was a union member for 14 years. Okay. And when I became a supervisor, a frontline supervisor, um, they actually gave me a plaque, which is unusual. Most people say, oh, you're a turncoat, you're getting out of the union, you're going to be a manager, and that type of thing. Right. Well, the union actually gave me a plaque in 1993 for my service to the local. That's good. And, uh, yeah, and I was proud of that. I'm still proud of that. Right. That I didn't go away uh, mad, and uh, I took an opportunity. A lot of people said to me, don't get out of the union, they'll fire you, you're gonna set yourself up, you you know. And but I stepped out on faith and said, no, I'm gonna do my job and I'm gonna become an asset to the city. And at the same time, I still know where I came from. And so I always treated the union members with respect. I always I always said to them, whatever agreement that the union and the city of Aurora comes up with, I will abide by that. Right. I was not one of those guys always looking for a gray area or some way to come back at the union members. And right. anyone that worked for me will testify to that. Um, and how long were you union president? Oh, wow. I was union president from, well, I would say all total, boy, I haven't actually did the math. I was 22 when I became union president and uh, there was one year that uh, I may have been vice president. I decided that I would uh, step back. So we'll say somewhere in the range of 10 years. Wow. Yeah, about 10 years, yeah. I actually participated in the negotiations on three different contracts and typically they were two, and a half, two years or three year mm -hmm. bargaining agreements. And so just before I became a supervisor, I negotiated the last contract um, that I was involved in uh, on the way out the door. And so I can say to many of the union members uh, that, hey, some of the benefits that you have are as a result <laughs> when I was when, when, as, as union president. Um, what's Aurora like at this time? What's the downtown area like? Wow, let's go back to the 70s when I got here. Three movie theaters, 
furniture stores, um, five and dime stores, Walgreens, uh, Robert Hall, this building. That's the fourth time I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the what would cow. that be? The southwest corner there. Right, right. Was uh, Robert Hall. I think that's where everybody went. Tracy Duran, shout out for the history. <laughs> yeah. She sent a local author. Oh, okay. Friend of the show. Sent us a picture after, I think, somebody's interview might have been Saul Fultz. Somebody. I, I've heard that four times. I'm not playing. Yes. Sent us a picture of this Robert Hall at the corner right there. Mm -hmm. There was a Raleigh bike shop. Uh, there was, um, as I said, three diff uh, three movie theaters that would include um, the Paramount, the Tivoli, and the Isle was the name of the three theaters. Um, West Aurora Plaza had two movie theaters in West Aurora Plaza at that time. That's Galena. Galena right. and, you know, west of Eslon, yeah, between Eslon right. and, and Orchard. Um, and so the downtown was thriving. And the communities that surrounded Aurora came to Aurora right. uh, for their entertainment and everything else. Second Aurora largest was city. Second yeah. largest city. <laughs> Aurora was the place to come to. Right. And so people came here for their entertainment and to do the things that they did. They came to Aurora, as well as work, primarily work. What were the movies playing in the theaters at that time? Which way is up? <laughs> <laughs> I still remember at the aisle, it was packed out yeah. for Richard Pryor, Which Way Is oh, Up. Of course. <laughs> Long before Eddie Murphy played three different roles in one movie, yes. Richard Pryor played mm -hmm. three different roles in Which Way Is Up. And so I'm sure there was other movies, but the one that sticks in my mind was Which, Which Way, way is, is Up. up. Classic movie. <laughs> Classic. Um, all right. So you are running for Alderman at Large. Yes. For the listeners and the viewers, first of all, what does an alderman at large do? Okay, so let's make a distinction. Uh, the city of Aurora has 10 wards, and each ward has an individual uh, alder person. Right. And that person represents the constituents of their individual wards. Um, they, uh, the constituents are able to call them, whether it be for quality of life issues, whether it's you know roads, the lights in right. in the uh, the neighborhood, um, it could be crime issues, um, it can be uh, uh, numerous things that they could call them for. However, the city has two aldermen at large, and the aldermen at large. The difference is, the alderman at large represents the constituents of every ward within the city. Sure. Um, and so the individual aldermen are able to call upon us if they need some assistance with something, but at the same time, they would be able to call on me individually if they feel like I'm the person that can get something done. Sure. And the, if I can expand a little bit on that, my job with the city, I've served the citizens of Aurora from one side of town to the other my entire career at the city of Aurora. Right. And so the alderman at large, for me, falls right into the wheelhouse of what I've been doing since I've been here. So I'm working for the water department, just not messing with people's water. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Not at all to put That's a spin right. on what the water department right. actually does. Customer service, just you name it. Exactly. You name it. Um, Aurora has two aldermen for large? Yes. Alder persons for large? Okay. Yes. I Now see, I that's something that I found out later. I was, uh, or I have been familiar with, 
Mr. Jenkins, who was the owner at large, but I didn't know that there was two. Yes. I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. Um, why is there two? It's the second largest city in the state of Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Of course it'll be too, man. <laughs> I didn't. That would be a, a, a bit much. Yeah. Maybe I can handle it. Yeah, but sure, sure. However, but... Uh, it makes sense now. Yeah, I'm not sure with that back, with, with the with the uh, background and the history of that, of why there are two. Yeah, I'll, I'll look that up. Um, now, the elections are April 6th, is that correct? That's correct. All right. Um... What's it like? Is this your first time running for Alderman Large? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, now, you were on the East Aurora School Board before. Yes, I was. What years? What? When was that? I first ran for East Aurora School Board in 1990, 1999. Okay. I served one term. How long is the term? Uh, four years. Four years, okay. And my brother in 19, in uh, 2003, became ill. And it happened right around Thanksgiving, and I had to file for, uh, file my petitions to run again if I was, because my term was coming to an end. Right. And I had to file again, and I had to make a choice. And think about what, <clears throat> what my brother did for me, and I thought, well, my sister-in-law may need some help with him. And so, I had to make a choice, and I made a choice on behalf of my family. All right. And unfortunately, uh, he passed away, and I had not filed again. So I move on. I go, and I'm doing other things within the community. And in 2010, I was approached by some individuals that said, hey, there's an opening at East Aurora on the school board again, and we think you, you would be great to fill that position again. And so I interviewed for the position. And I was selected amongst the, the candidates to fill a temporary position, which was for one year, I believe. The current board president was leaving town, and so it opened up a position. Uh, the following year, I believe 2011, I was on the ballot again. And I, once again, I was elected uh, to the board uh, in 2011 till 2004, uh, 14, I'm sorry. Okay. And so that was my second term. So altogether, all I was on the board for nine years. The last year that I was on the board, I was uh, elected to be the board president for uh, the last year. And one thing that I can say to you about that last year, I found out that being in that leadership position is a difficult position. Some people- School board president? School board president. I bet. Yeah. I believe actually that school board members hold one of the most important positions in any community because we make decisions that impact our youth. Um, what was a rocky or tough decision going on within the school boards? Well, was there any like polarizing issues, for example? <laughs> oh, wow. There's plenty of polarizing um, issues, whether it's taxes, um, needed expansion, the um, redrawing of the uh, boundaries for students 
to decide what school they may go to and things of that nature right. are really volatile. I bet. Because if you live across the street from Waldo School and we redraw the boundaries and all of a sudden instead of you going to Waldo, you have to go to Calherd on Farnsworth. As a parent, you're not happy about that. Not at all. Because at that time, East Aurora did not have transportation for the students. So that put an undue burden on the parents. Or they could do like I did as a child. We walked. Right. If it was a three-mile walk, we walked. In three foot of snow, below zero. With no shoes. With no shoes, <laughs> uphill. Yeah. And my mother would put Vaseline, you know, as oh. a kid, put the Vaseline on your face to you block like the wind. Joker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you could walk. But at the same time, issues like that right. were sure. really... Sure. Uh, volatile and so um, yeah and so and you have to keep in mind that as a school district the school district levies probably the highest portion of property taxes of course and so with that you're always having to deal with the property you know the, the taxpayers and the property owners within that district certainly and you certainly you Who have feel entitled to having their absolutely voice Heard. Absolutely, and they have and they have a right to do that. And so you have to keep in mind that you have the working class families that have students within the system, and and you certainly have to keep in mind that you have the seniors that are on fixed incomes. And so as you have to be mindful as you're doing things, as you're levying the taxes and deciding what programs are going to go on, that these are going to impact everyone that pays the taxes. And so that's probably a couple of the really hot issues. Were you, were you responsible for that bad pizza that they serve at schools? <laughs> Is that who I got to talk to? Can you make the crust yes. thicker? <laughs> yes. 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 I, I, will, I, will, I will own that. Because <laughs> we do. We have food service contracts. Sure. Sure. So we have to decide that. Sure. Um, now... What's run or what's canvassing and getting to know folks been like trying to get yourself out there as all at large? What's that been like during the pandemic? It certainly has been a challenge, um, but fortunately for me, because of my community involvement um, since 1990, when I say community involvement, civically becoming involved and working with different 501s and charitable, you know, other charitable organizations, right. not-for-profit organizations. I do have some some name recognition within right. the community. I do have what I would call a, a base constituency um, that would be uh, those individuals that I grew up with on the west side, mm -hmm. the folks that I've come to know on the east side, my church family, um, and so. Um, but with COVID, it has certainly been a challenge. Uh, however, I mask up. I've gone to the homes. I don't have, uh, I have a team of leadership, but I don't have a team of foot soldiers to go out and do those things. And so I acquired 642. If I'm off, nobody call me on it, I'm off by 10. I think it was 642 signatures. And out of that 642 signatures, I definitely uh, drove to individuals' homes 
got their signature. And that way I made sure, one, I knew that those individuals were registered to vote at that particular location. I had some other individuals that helped me acquire some other signatures, mm -hmm. but I was out there grinding. Um, and uh, as I say, I, I did it myself and I'm still doing it. I'm out putting up signs at 5.30 in the morning. I'm doing a lot of things on my own, but I can do it. I can handle it. The cold doesn't bother me. I'm a water and sewer worker. <laughs> I worked outside. Right. You know, <laughs> the water and sewer, hey, you gear up. Yeah. You put your cold weather gear on and you get out there in the cold and you do what you have to do. Worked in the rain, the snow, you name it, I've been out there. And so I just, uh, uh, COVID didn't stop me. However, if COVID were not here, you had the traditional ways sure. of, of going about uh, uh, meeting with homeowners associations and different neighborhood groups, uh, the churches um, that, may, that may or may not allow you to come in and speak. Um, um, and, and so let me address that. Let me address that. This, when I say the churches, I wanna, I wanna address this from this standpoint. Personally, I never liked the idea that um, politicians were able to show up at the churches, and in particular African-American churches, at election time. I don't have a problem with them coming and introducing themselves. But to show up at election time, and then we don't see you anymore until the next election cycle, that's always bothered me. So with COVID, I was, I was kind of happy that, hey, you're not gonna be able to do that any right. longer. You're going to have to go out here, work on your own. I didn't stand at the early voting sites. There's no problem with that with, because some of the candidates did that, but I wanted it to be personal. I have relationships with individuals. I wanted to go in. I may have been able to get more signatures than I acquired if I hadn't gone to see some of the folks, some of the seniors from my mm -hmm. church that hadn't seen anybody because they hadn't been able to go to church any longer and I sat there with those individuals and I had conversations and sometimes those conversations got long because as you can tell I can be a little long-winded <laughs> so, this is the show for the hey, long-winded <laughs> hey, hey hey listen I'm working on being a little more succinct than what I say but I have something to say and so I built relationships with individuals and everywhere I go when people meet me they feel me they feel my spirit whether it's a stranger or not they, you can tell when someone is genuine in their message and who they are. And so right. I've never had a problem building relationships with people. Um, I'm glad you brought up and planted that flag in the conversation about the uh, petitioning for votes around election time at church. Um, should politicians petition for votes at church amongst church co uh, communities at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the individuals at church, they pay taxes like everyone else. They have the same concerns that everyone else has. Um, if it were up to me, um, those type of forms would always take place maybe on a Saturday afternoon. If you have, you know, the opportunity, it wouldn't be Sunday morning. But, um, you know, I don't lose any sleep over it. That's just my personal opinion. But absolutely, the faith community should have something to say um, in an election. They, they deserve to get to know the candidates, um, just as anyone else. 
Um, what church do you attend? Main Baptist Church. Main Baptist. All right. All right. And I think that's also where like I had seen your um, yourself or different works and things mm-hmm. like that. Perhaps in some of their because they have a Facebook page. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I follow it. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I like yes. I like many a pick. Yes. I shouted out. On this, on our news roll for me, we've been doing this for a while now. You know, okay. we're coming up on a year of the show. Okay. So I, yeah, we didn't check out Main Baptist tonight about absolutely. Main, Main Baptist. Baptist is the oldest African American church in the city. That is right, yes. and it's also one of the locations for the change initiatives that are taking place absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Speaking of which, what did you think about those change initiatives? I I believe that uh, they're necessary. In, in, in many ways. That, now, there's different phases of it, obviously. Um, however, um, it's a situation that just needed to be addressed. Sure. So. Um, all right. So before, before we get to the, before we, before we wind it down. Okay. Um, I would like to know from you, uh, what kind of music do you listen to? Oh, man. That's a great question. I listen to a lot of genres of music. So first thing, I'm 60 years old, if it matters. But I must say, salute. (laughs) But I must say that I'm 60 years old and hip hop is 40 years old. (laughs) Now, not what they call, you know, the explicit language. Sure. But but hip hop is 40 years old. But I grew up on R&B music, and sometime around the age of 13, 12, somewhere in there, my friends and I on the south side of Chicago started to listen to rock and roll. And so I listened to rock and roll. Um, I'm not a big jazz guy, but I love the blues. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course, yes. Um, And gospel music. And so I think I'm pretty well-rounded when it comes to music. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, I, I used to tease some of the people that I knew to say, I'm probably one of the only people that you know that been to a Led Zeppelin concert in 1973 at the Chicago Stadium. That must have been a hell of a concert. It was a hell of a concert, if was. I might say myself. I would have <laughs> loved to have gone to a Led Zeppelin Absolutely. That's that. the only rock and roll concert that I've ever been to, but I I, I hang my hat on that. And so I am a, uh, a big fan when I, you know, when it comes to rock and roll. And then when I moved to Aurora, um, at that time, um, the new thing was... Um, Funk, mm-hmm. and so when George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelics oh, yeah. came out, I kind of moved away from the rock and roll a little bit, you know, yeah. to, over to P Funk and, and, and that and, yeah. and, and that genre. <laughs> so, so yeah, so uh, but I still listen to it. My 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 uh, not my iPod, but in my car. Um, man, you will hear a lot of things. Everything from Amy Amy Winehart to um, to some Zeppelin, to some Marvin Gaye, to some um, you know the New Edition. To mm-hmm. um, New Edition. No, no Kurt Franklin, but <laughs> you don't like Kurt Franklin? Uh, 
I can take them or leave them myself. Yeah, I and that's what, that's what I'll say. Yeah, I can take them He doesn't sing, them. so I'm more like the Mississippi Mass Choir type of gospel. Yeah. Um, uh, some of the contemporary music is a little bit more, but, you know, consider my age and what I was raised on more of hymns and things like that when it came to gospel. No, yeah, I, uh, you know, even though I'm younger, I spent 90% of my youth in the care of my grandmother, who was in mm -hmm. her 70s and 80s when I was a child. So, mm -hmm. like, I... To that point, and Kirk Franklin specifically, I prefer my gospel music to be more of the sung. Yeah, the the the, the <laughs> right, exactly. Um, GP, are you with me? Okay. Don't really. Don't move me. Power to the brother, but I like right. it to. Right. I feel you. I right. understand where right. you. I understand where you're coming from. Where you right. when you say that, yeah, it's only supposed to sound really one way, and it's so hard to entertain gospel music specifically. Yes. In another fashion, infused with hip hop and we shaking it and all that, not really doing it. Not doing it. Um, you know, even though I'm young, I I cannot stand when I see these youngsters coming into church with the jeans. Y'all wearing jeans to church. That was forbidden when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but jeans and gym shoes in church. Well, Y'all coming, coming in there with the, you know, you got the hat on and, I mean, for heaven's sakes. Well, let me address that. Let me address that. I, yes, I was raised where I had three sets of clothes. Oh, I had... <laughs> I had school clothes. Two of them were for my cousin. Right. <laughs> no, I had school clothes. Right. I had right. outdoor play clothes, and I had church clothes. You're right. You're right. And when I got home from school, I had to get out of those school clothes because they had to last. And I'd get into whatever I was going to wear out, out in the neighborhood. Um, however, I believe that I'm okay with come as you are. I, I certainly am. And it's taken me, and I say that, but however, most of the time when you see me at church, I'm going to be at least business casual. Sure. Because that's how I was, I was brought up. And I feel comfortable in that. And what bothers me is sometimes you hear younger individuals that say, uh, I used to hear things like, oh, you guys think you're, you're all bougie and you're better than us and you wear your suits. And, you know, and that may be the case for some individuals that in church, but that's not the case for me. And so I say, you come as you are, because I would rather that you be here than be out. That's true. That's true. And there's absolutely nothing about my suit or my coat or my tie that's going to get me any closer in my relationship with God than you in your gym, in your pants and your gym shoes. And so I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, I, never let it be said that we look it down on the brother's face. Absolutely. That, that if you true. choose to be that there, I'm glad that you're there. Come as you are. And... Uh, and uh, I'm okay with it. I'm right. okay with it. I retract my statement. I was just talking about the whoopings I would get. For yes. yes. <laughs> my personal whoopings. Yes. <laughs> yes, I understand. Um, so, let me see. I asked you about church. I asked you about school burner. I'm making sure we dotting all the I's across and all the T's. Um, oh, of course. I would be remiss. I was on this page. Uh, what does America mean to you? What does America mean to me? I'm going to use one of those old, not old, but it's not a cliche, but I've never traveled 
back up. I have been to Canada. It's nice. <laughs> but I have never been outside of the United States. Of, and so this is all that I know. And um, America has, just like I described Aurora, um, America has the potential and has been the greatest nation in the world. It is. Do we have some issues? Absolutely we do. Does every nation have some issues? Absolutely. And we could be greater if we begin to face some of those things um, and, uh, and work together. But overall, this is my home, man. This is all I know. So don't tell me to go back to Africa. Don't tell me to go anywhere else. This is my home. Right. And it is just like the city of Aurora. Um, I've been fortunate and I've been blessed um, to have employment opportunities, to be exposed to a few more things than other individuals may or may not have. However, that does not make me any better than them, any different than them, and I recognize that there are individuals that have not had that opportunity. I didn't do anything special right. um, to, to wind up with those opportunities. It, it, it is what it is. Um, but uh, no, I just see America as my home. And uh, do I, I, I try to build relationships and bridges with, uh, with the different uh, individuals, ethnicities, you know, genders, all of that. I, you know, I, I see the potential that is in America to really be great. And that would be to be just inclusive of, of what we have. We have to accept the fact that America does not look like it looked when I, in the 60s, okay? Um, everyone has to accept that, that whether you're Caucasian, African-American, Hispanic, you know, when I was a kid, it was, if I was competing with a job, it may have been, not a kid, but as, as a young adult in Aurora, let's use Aurora for example, it may have been primarily black and white individuals competing for those jobs. Well, because the, the, the racial demographics have changed in the time, um, for my daughter, my 25-year-old daughter, she, she has to compete with other ethnicities for jobs. And, and I always say to her, you will never be a victim. You will compete uh, for whatever you have. The playing field is not going to be level all the time, but that will not be an excuse for you to not compete. Um, but the competition is much larger. Right. The competition is much larger these days, and uh, I, one of the things that I learned working with the United Way Allocation Committee at that time in the early 90s, as the demographics were changing and the Hispanic community was c continuing to grow, that a lot of the agencies we went to, they needed bilingual uh, individuals uh, uh, because of the social services that were needing to be put forward. And so one of the things that I used to tell my daughter, um, you need to learn to speak Spanish because you're going to you're going to be in competition and nobody's going to uh, give you a break because you don't. It is what it is, and uh, you know, and she didn't listen to me. <laughs> but however, I'm just saying, I I've accepted the fact that um, what we see has changed over the last however many years we want to put a number on it, 30, 40 years. 
and uh, we have to be willing to get out there, put our best foot forward, um, try and educate ourselves. We can do all of those things. We can educate ourselves. We can be the best person in the world. Um, but that does not guarantee you anything. Not at all. Uh, not at all. Um, you have to get out and do such as what you're doing. You know, um, I'm, I'm always glad to see young people, younger men and women that are out there trying to make their own way. Um, we can, we can choose to uh, be a victim, but I say when you choose to be a victim of, of society, you become stuck. That's a, where you're at. That's a, yeah, that's true. And you have to, My you have, yeah, you have to move forward and, um, and continue to grind away. I don't say you don't lay down. If there's issues out there, whether they're social issues or whatever they may be, someone has to uh, continue to grind away at those issues. But at the same time, um, life is not waiting on you. One of the things I used to do was in the morning, I'd get up and go in my basement and it would be a quiet time. And I would sit there and I had a clock on the wall and I never realized it until I started to do that. And I would sit there in the dark sometimes with my eyes closed and kind of meditate and I would hear the clock ticking. And it struck me one morning that time is moving on, Ray, whether you're doing anything or not. And I'm saying to every individual that's stuck and thinking about how everything used to be, I would love for Aurora to be like it used to be, I mean, as, as far as economically, sure. to be the way that it is, but it's not. So the reason I'm running for Alderman at large, one of the reasons, uh, main reasons is I wanna be a part of a solution to begin to make this city, uh, we say second to none, Aurora is the second largest city in the state of Illinois, I'll reiterate that again, but many times we operate like Mayberry. Oh, yeah. We still operate as though, like, it's a, like we're a small bedroom community, but we have some big city issues that need to be addressed. And so I wanna be a part of uh, building some relationships. Um, um, sometimes I wish the river could go away. <laughs> sometimes I wish that there were not five school districts in town, you know, um, because it seems as though that we've become divided. But I'm one of those people, like I say, that we know have five. Let me make sure here. 131, we have 131, 129, 204, 308. Oh, I didn't know. 308, which is uh, Oswego East, and then we have Batavia School District on the on the north side, north of the tollway. It's all Batavia School District. Aha. Uh -huh. Yes. Okay. Oh, and actually, we have some portion, a very very small portion, that is a part of Caneland on the far west side, the far far west side. Right. Yeah, that are part of Caneland School District. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I, I wasn't counting. Was that five, or I think at least five. Man. Knowledge. Knowledge. All right. Um, the show ends on a positive note. Okay. What is your message for the people of Aurora today? My message for the people of Aurora is that um, I am a native of this town. At 45 years, I've lived the majority of my life here. In this race for the Alderman at large, I am the only candidate that can say that. 
I believe that experience matters, and I believe that I have the experience um, from working within the government, working for the government, to be able on day one to be able to sit down in a seat and not know everything, right? but not be a novice at the same time. I was superintendent during the recession, and those were some difficult years, um, just as this pandemic has been a difficult year. This is a time for someone that can come in that has been a quote, emergency manager, <laughs> not a, a crisis manager in some ways. I've worked through the great flood of 1996 when there were 19 inches of rain, uh, six, 16 inches of rain that fell in 19 hours or something like that. I've worked blizzards, you name it, I've been out there. I've did tabletop exercises for and certified uh, in homeland security and terrorist activities and if some, a natural disaster were to hit Aurora, I, I'm familiar with those things uh, over the years. Um, I've had some training at the National Fire Academy in uh, Maryland. And so this is not the time for the novice, nor is it the time for individuals that may have um, personal agendas. I am all about the citizens of Aurora. I represent the citizens of Aurora, I have. I would love to continue to do that. I believe that government at the local level is set up just as it is at the state as well as the federal level. And what do I mean by that? I believe that the city council should be an entity unto itself. Our job is to represent the citizens of Aurora. We, do, we work with the administration. The citizens of Aurora elected a mayor, and the mayor should have a vision for the city. However, the city council is the governing body. We make the decisions about where the dollars will be spent, how they will be spent. And so, uh, sometimes I believe that relationship has gotten convoluted where some of our council members may believe that their job is to work for the mayor. I don't believe that, no matter who the mayor is. We work for the citizens of Aurora, and I've been doing that, and I will continue to do that. Um, as the former mayor said to me when I was superintendent of the water department, I want you to work for the alderman. No, excuse me. I want you to work with the alderman. When they call you and ask if they have an issue from one of their constituents, I want you to work with them, do your very best, make sure that things get taken care of. But he said to me, remember, you work for me. <laughs> and so I'm saying I work for the citizens of Aurora. Right. Not for the administration. I worked for the administration in my past life. Right. And so uh, we need to, I am not a yes man. I can be very detailed, especially with my background as a union uh, representative. I take documents, I look at them, I understand the budget. I will not look at 1,200 pages of a budget, but you also have to know where the meat of that budget is. You have to know what you're looking for. And when you get a novice, what happens is, the existing council members have to take them, lead them around, show them the ropes. When somebody calls and they have a problem, they have to say, oh, well, who do I go to for that? I have those connections. I have that network. 
I know those individuals that are hardworking, and I want to make sure that I say that before we're done here today. No matter what individuals may think about certain individuals, City of Aurora has some hardworking individuals on the front line as well as in administrative positions. So uh, I believe in what they're doing, but I also believe in that as a council member, we're responsive to the citizens of Aurora. Many of those individuals live in the City of Aurora as well. Um, but we need to uh, work with them, um, uh, give them the, uh, the, uh, the, give them the resources that they need to be able to do a good job. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can call me up and say, hey, Ray, can you help me with this or help me with that? And I believe that um, my 36 years of operational experience within the city of Aurora will be unique because the others, Alderman at large, Mr. Jenkins, was a part of economic development. He's one of the big reasons that we have the outlet mall. But he doesn't have the operational experience that I have. So when someone calls me about some issues with property standards or something like that, that's my pond. Gotcha. I know that. Right. And so I just want to continue. I, and I believe that Aurora has afforded myself and my family a fantastic living, and I just feel like I want to continue to give back. I owe the city of Aurora some things. I could not <clears throat> be sitting here in this position, even talking about this, if the opportunities that Aurora had afforded me as a young man <clears throat> were not presented to me. Right. All right. Well, uh, we wish you luck in your journey to Alderman at large. And I appreciate it. Are April 6th. April 6th and early voting will start has started actually for the township elections. That's right. And so uh, if I might add one more thing is that we need to a lot of the voters are only concerned about the federal level. We need to be concerned politics are local as they say. So we need to know who is it that controls my tax dollars? Who is it that has my children in their hand, meaning the school board or right. representative? Who is the state's attorney in the county? Right. Who is the sheriff in the county? Who is the state representative for our area? Who is the senator that represents our area? And what do they believe in? And what do they believe in? And if you don't have any clue and you have no idea who you're voting for, you should not be voting for someone that you cannot, you know, at least say, I know this person stands for this, um, but I'm a person of integrity. And I believe that um, I will certainly be, and this is not about luck, I think I'm going to work and I'm going to grind hard. And if the citizens of Aurora are looking for someone that's going to represent them all the time, I'm that person. All right. And with that, we appreciate you coming on to the show. We appreciate our time with Mr. Hall. Thank you guys out there for watching and tuning in to the Second Largest City's First Daily News Podcast. We wish uh, Mr. Hall a... Uh, Good luck on his journey, and we will see you all tomorrow for another great episode. Be blessed and be well. Peace.